Greetings and welcome to Pops Collection, where we dissect and reflect on a movie or TV show from a Pops Collection. I'm Ron Tweedy. Joining me is Pops, and today we're going to be talking about Avengers Infinity War. Uh, greetings, good day, grab your coffee, sit back, relax, kick back for a highly stimulating episode. So there are lots of things going on in this film, and we're actually together with this one in the same room, so hopefully our flow is going to be a little bit the same. It won't be any difference than to our, our normal episodes. We're going to try our best. It might be even a little bit better. Yeah, sure. You never know. All right, so this one uh, came out, uh, Infinity War, on really close to Free Comic Book Day weekend, the week before, in uh, April 28th or 27th of 2018. So right around that time. And that was uh, a lot going on there. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> no question about it. Had a pretty huge budget. And mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that was due to... I mean, there was an awful lot of CG in there. That's true. And um, there were an awful lot of mainstream actors and actresses that's right yeah you know so i mean just the budget for them themselves could have been a lot i mean it was uh, almost 400 million Mm dollars but it did make a little more than black panther (laughs) it did almost double so almost double yeah but to be fair um the budget was I think a little bit more modest, right, for Black Panther, or was it around the same? Uh, no, it was about two mil, yeah, two hundred mil for right. the Black Panther. So there you go, but double the budget. But also, Black Panther was in this too. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, and I do think that this was a really good follow up to that film because a lot of the scenery and some of the characters from that film play a key role, especially in the the third act of the film. So that is correct. Yeah. And also, it's one of those few films where in the teaser, you actually got an idea what was going to happen next. Right. Yeah. You know, not two movies down the road or three movies down the road. But, right. Yeah. Which, uh, again, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, speaking of figuring out what's happened down the road, we should talk a little bit about the source material for this. So okay. uh, Infinity, the Infinity War was a... Six issue miniseries done in 1992, but a lot of the source material and particularly the storyline of Thanos, the character arc of him, uh, is primarily out of the Infinity Gauntlet miniseries, which happened a year before. And so, uh, very similar to this particular uh, story, Thanos has become obsessed with uh, assembling all the Infinity Gems in order to, uh, but his motivations are completely different. So, in the comic, he is obsessed with uh, death, and death in Marvel Comics is not a uh, just some sort of uh, abstract concept. It's a pers- personification. Lady Death is a character in the Marvel Universe, and yes. there's lots of other cosmic beings like Eternity and the Living Tribunal. All of those make a uh, an entrance, and they play a key role in the Infinity Gauntlet saga. I actually have the Lady Death animated movie. There you go. On DVD. Right, right. So Thanos uh, is obsessed with her. He wants to win her affection. And so he assembles the Infinity Stones in order to prove himself to her. And uh, in the first issue, he decides, hey, I'm going to wipe out half of life on Earth. And 
it, it, it's not the same as what happens here. It's it's a little bit different in that they kind of just disappear. They don't get dusted in a way. Um, and it almost uh, reminds me of a lot of the rapture fiction that goes on in uh, in Christian circles. So it reminded me a lot about that. So um, he does that. Death is not uh, impressed with him. And he just goes crazier and crazier in his descent into madness uh, is turns out to be his weakness. And so um, a number of cosmic entities and Adam Warlock, who we saw just a little flash of at the end of Guardians 2, he, he's the one responsible for besting Thanos. But just like in the film, there's a giant battle with Earth's heroes to, you know, distract him and they end up besting him and Adam Warlock becomes the wielder of the gauntlet afterwards. And so then a year later, they do the Infinity War one and uh, it's really, really wacky. I I, I don't know we sh- if it would help us to spend a whole lot of time on that because there's like an alternate person that's Warlock, but it's called Magus and he's the one who was obsessed with getting the gauntlet and it's really, really weird. And there's a whole subplot with Dr. Doom and Kang trying to get the gauntlet. And it's, it's, you know, they're at at every moment they're trying to kill each other at the same time. So that part's pretty cool. But that, that, that's kind of the source material that we're pulling from. But a lot of it, I think the foundation is laid from the past 20, not 20 movies, but, you know, 15 movies or whatever where we're at in the MCU. So. Correct. Yes. We're, uh, right. More than 15, but. We're getting close to to this uh, end of this particular story, or the end of phase three. We're pretty right. close to it, right? And the the first three phases are now being called the Infinity Saga. So I think that's you know I think that's it's going to be something that will there's going to be a, a clear demarcation between the end of this particular story arc and what happens afterwards. We're still awaiting the first movie. Right, Black Widow. Right, after all of this happens and everything's done. So it'll be interesting to see how that all um, Well, just happens. like in the comic book, uh, they rewrite characters, different authors, yes. yeah. authors, different artists. Right. I'm thinking it's going to be mm-hmm. similar to that, a reboot of, of some sort, but don't know if it's going to be a big ending story like this one was yeah it's hard to say it, we, yeah you're right we don't know and I, I, i'm assuming that they do have some something planned for that um but they're introducing a ton of new characters and storylines as well so we'll, we'll see what happens uh this one though i do want to say that the the main villains in this film uh are relatively new in fact we're going to talk about them they're not i don't think they're even named in the film themselves uh Thanos names the one that failed yeah. with yeah. uh, Doctor Strange. But they, he doesn't even say his full name. He just calls him the Maw, which, right. you know, it's Ebony Maw is his name. So, right. yeah, let's talk about that. So these are four new characters that were introduced in 2013 uh, in New Avengers uh, number eight. And they got their own uh, six-issue miniseries as well in, in 2013 called Infinity. And Thanos, uh, they're, they're called the Black Order. And so there's four Kind of like the four horsemen of apocalypse, uh, you know. If you want to use a mutant reference, um, they, they they all kind of work for Thanos. They're all powerful beings on their own, but they're all you know they all have different powers and whatnot. So we'll, we see them all here. We see, uh, like you said, Ebony Maw is the, the one that uh, Tony Stark refers to as Squidward, which is kind of funny. Uh, we have Call Obsidian, who is the 
like the beefy dude, the, the heavy Hulk guy. Yeah, the heavy. Um, then you have um, Corvus Glaive, who is uh, the other guy with the weird stick thing that he right. uses. Who's, to... Whose design is almost identical yeah. to the comic. Yeah. yeah. And then we have Proxima Midnight, who is the, the female of the group. So you have the, the, the Black Order. And that's kind of like the new characters that are introduced in this movie. I think everybody else we've seen before at this point. Yes. Except for um, when we get to uh, Thor's character arc. There's a new character that's introduced there as well. So we'll get to him. Yes, that's right. true. That's so. true. And it starts mm-hmm. after the teaser for Ragnarok. Right, exactly. Yep, that that was the thing I liked about it. So at the end of Ragnarok, we, we it just as a reminder, we're, they're on their way to Earth, and all of a sudden this giant ship kind of overshadows like the entire um, Asgard ship as well. And so... So we got that, and then... Of course, that, it gets a lot more in-depth. Oh, of course, yeah. So we're, we're introduced to Thanos, and he already has one stone, and he's trying to find the second stone for him, right? So Right, got, which is in the uh, blue... Right, the Tesseract. Tesseract. Or Cosmic Cube. I like to use that term. Yes. Because <laughs> it's, it's uh, more truer to the book. Yeah, this is actually the first episode that what you call the Cosmic oh, yeah. Universe and... Yeah. The uh, earthly or whatever. Yeah, fantastic. Yes, they're all mixed together. Everything comes together in this one. And in one episode. And like I told you earlier, Uh this is the MCU's version of Empire Strikes Back. Yes, I totally agree with that. And we'll we'll get to that. But really, this is uh, the story of Thanos. This is his storyline. This whole arc is in this particular film. There's resolution and everything. Even though from a... MCU standpoint, it's a huge cliffhanger, right? We don't know what's going to happen afterwards. No, because at the end, it's <laughs> right. It's there are a lot of what yeah. moments, yeah. You know, but yeah, and there actually there's some of those during the movie too. Oh yeah, big uh, time. That you kind of didn't depict it, but right. Uh, what I thought was interesting, I didn't realize it, but the Tesseract mm-hmm. is con- was considered the space stone. Yes. Yeah, so we learned in earlier episodes where some of the other stones were at. Right. And so we get to travel to quite a few different places Yep. in this. Yeah. Uh, so like you said, we go on just about every plane. Yep, yep. And, and the nice thing about it is that like everything is so masterfully interwoven together. So we've seen all of these disparate stories from... You know, as crazy as Guardians of the Galaxy with all the super colorful stuff to as, you know, what happened to Asgard to Earth to, you know, all these other different places. And so it really was the way everybody interacted with each other. In fact, that that I think for me makes the movie uh, that that's really what makes the movie what it is. The the interactions between the different characters you would never see together. Like we'll talk about it during the Battle of Wakanda, but just some of the little dialogue choices that they made. It's perfect. Well, not only that, also when they were on Titan, yeah, there was a little battle there too, of uh, characters actually meeting for the first time, right? And then uh, there was also, well, let's get into the story. Yeah, okay, okay, that sounds right. good. Yeah, because <laughs> I'll be jumping ahead so much, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So the right, like you said, we're pretty much when it comes to the events of the story, we're right after Thor Ragnarok. So. 
uh, Asgard's en route to Earth, it gets caught up with Thanos, who has just acquired the Power power Stone from Xandar, and he decimated that entire population. We don't see that. It all happens off screen, but uh, it is mentioned in the dialogue. So he has the Power Stone. He is terrorizing the Asgardian ship that's basically just full of refugees, and he's using the Power Stone to destroy it and trying to get the uh, Tesseract back from Loki. So, unbeknownst to Thor, Loki, when he went to go to the uh, vault to, right, to, to put, put get service, the helmet exactly, and the, and the fire. What we now know is that he also took a little bit of a detour to get the tesseract from the vault. So, <laughs> right, which is just goes to show you that if he hadn't have done that at all, yeah, we wouldn't have these movies. True, because the tesseract would have been blown up with. Yeah, with Surtur. Asgard. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, but the thing is that I wonder, and it doesn't, the way they did this was really masterful, but like, from what we know about the stones and their uh, durability, like, I don't even know, even if after the destruction of Asgard, I, I still think that the space stone still would have survived that somehow. And it would have gotten, you know, flung off to maybe, you know, Sakaar or something like that. That would have been a cooler story point. That's true. <laughs> It would have been a lot cooler, but there again, yeah, it could have made the movie a six-hour movie. You know, <laughs> I'd be okay. They with are that. they already did a part two. You know, yeah, that's I true. can't imagine if they had to break it into a part three. That's true, but uh, yeah. So I was wondering about that. Did he kill everybody on the ship? I would say or no, or like just half of them. Because right, I'm thinking that that's his, what it is. Yeah. That was his thing. Right. That he was... Right. His motivations. His motivations yeah, well, were that they were going... That's part of his plot. Right. And his idea that that's the way to save the universe. Right. Yeah. Which we'll get into because there is a really cool interaction between him and Gamora talking about that. And I've got a, a couple of real world examples and parallels to that. So it's really cool. All right. Um. So yeah, he... Loki... Uh, does have the Tesseract, and, you know, uh, Thor uses, a, it's becoming his catchphrase now, you really are the worst, brother. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, anyway, Loki uh, does give the Tesseract. He makes a one last play to try to assassinate Thanos, and he catches on to him, and he kills Loki right where Thor is, and he kills Heimdall, which is Thor's best friend, we find out, is what he says later on. Well, he first, uh, Loki first tells uh, Thanos that you made a mistake because we have the Hulk. Right, oh yeah, that's so right. So there's first a fight with Thanos and the Hulk, yeah. and Thanos bests the Hulk. I know, that that to me was like really cool to see because like, you know, most of the time when you have the Hulk, it's not really a competition. I mean, the biggest person who gave him a, a fight was Thor. Right. the previous movie but now like you know those two guys are about the same size they're fighting each other and you know as a, a cg fight to go that's one of the best i've ever seen right it was excellent but now this fight in tight quarters yeah you know they still uh made a good fight of it yeah but he did knock him out yeah yeah and, then, and hulk laying on the ground and that's heimdall yeah asked uh to use his magic right as, the bifrost the Bifrost, and send him... Back to Earth. Well, we don't know where, but right. that's where eventually he yeah. goes. Yeah. Um, and then Loki's in the position of, oh, well. Yeah. Now what? Yeah. And then that's... Yeah. He tells Thanos he has that. Yeah. 
And then Thor says, you're the worst brother. <laughs> and then one of the Black Order, uh, I forget which one. Glaive. Uh, yeah. Wraps him in metal. Oh, no, Ebi Ma does that to Thor. Yeah. Yes. Restrains him at the metal. Yeah. Yes. And then they puts a the metal piece mouth. over his mouth, a gag. Yeah. And then Loki thinks he's going to get past Thanos. Not... Yeah. So much. Yeah, well, you know, to, in Loki's defense, I mean, he was the one that was able to get favor with the Grandmaster, right? I mean, he was easily manipulated them. He, you know, got Korg and his buddies to put make them his leader, right? I mean, make yes. them the leader. So, I mean, he, he, that is what he does best, right? So he, he figured he could do the same thing with Thanos, but... Yes, not only that, when he made himself Odin. Yeah, I right. mean, he, that's his thing. He's right. the trickster. Right, exactly. But this time... Didn't work out so well for him. And I think part of that has to do with the fact that Thanos already knew what Loki was up to because he's the one who gave him the Chitauri and everything in the first Avengers movie. So he knew exactly what he was all about. Yes. So. Yes, well, see that. And I don't think Loki knew that it was Thanos because yeah. he never really. Yeah, you're right. He never interacted with him. No, he reacted only with that other guy. his minions. Right. Right. The, the one guy that I think. Ronin kills and Guardians won, if I remember correctly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, all right. So Heimdall's killed. Loki's killed. The ship is destroyed. And I, I do think that there has to have been at least half of the Asgardians saved because we see a population of them in, in the new film. Right. So it has to be. Some, some, so something must have happened between those Maybe he things. allowed them to go into escape pods. There's part that must of the story be we're not told. Right. We know Thor is blown into space. Right, exactly, with the rest of the ship. So there's that. And then we do follow what happened where the Bifrost sent Hulk, sent him right in the middle of uh, Bleecker Street yep. to the New York Sanctum. So That's right. He gets to, and they uh, he's not Hulk anymore. No, no. He turns back into to Banner. And uh, uh, thankfully, Doctor Strange... Uh, is right there, so we can kind of help him get his bearings and, and figure out where do they need to go next, because now they have the warning of Thanos, he is coming. Right, and not only that, Banner hasn't been on Earth for right. quite a few years Right, now. since Age of Ultron. Yes, so it's been a long time for him. Right, so he's he's missed out on what happened in Civil War, what happened in Black Panther, all of those movies. Oh, yes, and uh, we get a comical... yeah bit later right. when he talks about two insect guys right. <laughs> he says wait yeah you know so yeah so yeah we, we get so we get there we move over to a scene with tony and pepper jogging in the park they have a little bit of a talk and i think some of it is prophetic in a way because he talks about having a dream about having a child and you know immediately uh he gets interrupted by dr strange and he's like hey you need to come with me and then bruce is there and he's like the fate of the universe is at stake, which not uh, happy about. He's not happy about, and he's not being. He's not. He's not overselling it either. It truly is a you know monumental threat that they face. Right, and now, and because Bruce wasn't there, right, uh, Tony has to explain to the, him that him and Cap aren't on right. speaking terms. Exactly. Yeah. So that, that that's the problem. So they've got three stones. On Earth, no, two stones. Two stones on Earth at this point. Right, one that's in Vision. Right, the Mind Stone, and one that Doctor Strange has, time the stone. Time Stone. Right. So we got all that going on, and this part right here, when we have Doctor Strange and 
Iron Man interacting together. We have, um, I'm, I'm going to call it like there, there's this, we see three instances of these dyads where you have uh, the same type of character or personality interacting with each other. And then it, what it does is it magnifies all the negative aspects about those two. So, you know, you really have, I mean, think about, you know, we, we know about Dr. Strange's origin, about how he was this, you know, high-priced, very successful surgeon, like at the top of his field. Yes. Same thing with Tony Stark, you know, industrialist. Same identical. Exactly. So when they interact together, all of the toxic things about their personalities is magnified. Right. It's like a magnet. Two positives. <laughs> right. They're going in the opposite direction. Exactly. So, so it's interesting to see this one. Uh, that that's exactly what we get. So we see actually see both personalities really repel each other, and there's a lot of arguing. And part of the uh, dialogue that is so compelling about this film is carried out between those two guys, as well as the other dyads that we're going to talk about. But the third one is kind of a stretch. It's not, it, there's no, uh, I think we could see it done right, but we'll, we'll get to that in good time. So we got that as they're discussing things in the sanctum and, uh, Wong kind of gives everybody a, a history lesson about the, uh, Infinity Stones. So got a clip for that. We'll talk about it here and then we'll continue on with our conversation. At the dawn of the universe, there was nothing. Then. Big Bang sent six elemental crystals hurtling across the virgin universe. These infinity stones each control an essential aspect of existence. Space. Reality. Power. Soul. Mind. And time. Tell me his name again. Thanos. He's a plague, Tony. He invades planets. He takes what he wants. He wipes out half the population. He sent Loki. The attack on New York. That's him. This is it. This is it, indeed. This is the, the big battle. Everything that Tony got the vision of at the end of the first Avengers movie. It all's coming back to him now. And he kind of now knows that the manipulator of Loki and all that from the very first time that they uh, met the Shatari all came from Thanos. Exactly. So would you say also that part of most of the Black Order is Shatari? Mm-mm. Not at no. all? No, they can't be. Well, I mean, they're, I think they're all different. They have to be different alien races because they, they all look and work so differently. You mm, know? I guess. Yeah, you're right. So. I mean, they do look... Somewhat similar. They're all gray. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. But I don't know. Maybe, maybe if you're Drax, you know how you thought uh, Quill and Yandi were related. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> well, you know. Yes. Oh, yeah. And, and a great scene I have to say later on mm -hmm. when Quill is talking to Gamora mm -hmm. and how long you've been. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Yeah. But so we'll get to that. Right, exactly. So they're, they're trying to figure out what's happening. Uh, Tony brings Bruce up to speed, like you said, about what happened to the Avengers. They broke up like the Beatles. And while it's happening, they notice that there's like a strange wind blowing inside the Sanctum. And then a lot of chaos happening outside. And they realize that 
uh, there's a giant alien ship out there with uh, Ebony Maw asking for the Time Stone. Yes. And they don't want to give it to him. Mm-mm. No, not not at all. And so, he's not by himself. No, he also has Call Obsidian with him. So yes. He's using. He's going to ask Cole to, to actually take it from Strange, and uh, uh, Iron Man steps in at this point. So uh, there's a little bit of a comedic moment where, and this I think is, I'd say for the majority of the movie, Banner is Banner. He's not Hulk. Yes. So and we had that discussion uh, when we talked about Ragnarok. Right. Right. I gave it that rating because I thought it should have had more Hulk. You had more or uh, Banner. More Banner. More Banner. Yeah. And now here we're having just the opposite. We only actually in this entire movie we only had Hulk, yeah, in the very beginning of the movie. Right, it's all Banner now. And then his face came a couple of times, <laughs> right. and he kind of said, "No, I guess that's a story we probably should address or, you know, yeah, dig into because why wouldn't he change to the Hulk?" Well. Yeah. That's a good question. I, I think it has to do with the fact that I think I think certainly it has to do with how long he was Hulk and at Sakar. Yes, I definitely don't think that he was afraid of Thanos. Right. So I think that has a lot to do with it. The fact is, is that maybe after the Hulk had all the control for that long, and then he got put put away again, he's deciding, no, I'm not going to cooperate with you at all. And you know, and the thing that that. I'm hoping that one of these days we'll actually get a film that actually addresses that. Like how how did Banner overcome that? Right. Well, right. I, I think that that's definitely a movie, and I would love to see Edward Norton write the screenplay for that. Yeah, he did a great job last time. Right. That's my point. Yes. Uh, no question about that. So, anyway, Iron Man has to. He's got his new tech now. He has these uh, nanoparticles that are responsible for his armor. So it's like all housed in the little. You know, chest unit, which is pretty cool. Way cute. Cool. Yeah. The way it goes and just fits over his arms. and Yeah. It's almost like the way the Black Panther outfit came on last week. Actually, the it really reminds me of the Iron Man Extremist comic line, um, that comic arc, because that's what happened uh, to him. He, he injected himself with the Extremist stuff, and then he actually hollowed out his bones and put the nanoparticles in there so he didn't even have a chest piece. That's what they did in Extremis, which was kind of strange, but... Wow. Yeah. So, anyways, so he's able to get his uniform, mm-hmm. I guess we can call it, sure. on, and then he's taken on Obsidian. Mm-hmm. We get this big fight in New York, Yep. and we get to this point where there's a school bus full of kids <laughs> getting ready to go on to a field trip yeah, somewhere. Mama. Yeah. There's uh, no other than Peter Parker is on the bus and he sees the commotion going on. Actually, wait, what, his hair raises on his arm. Oh, that's that? correct. That was yes. really cool. And uh, then he tells his buddy yeah, Ned. that he needs to uh, make a distraction. <laughs> <laughs> And he says, what does he say? We're going to die. Oh, yeah, yeah, he sees the spaceship. He's like, oh, my gosh, we're going to die. Yeah. yeah. And so everybody goes there. Yep. And then we get our cameo. Yeah, our Stanley cameo gets out, out of the way, like in the beginning Just of the like movie. that, in the beginning. Yeah, and it's the perfect. The bus driver. Yep. And he did a great job on that, of yeah, course. Yeah, that's perfect. So, yeah, he uh, um, 
realizes that there's something happening to uh, in New York, and so he jumps out of the bus, heads over to where the, the trouble is, and then he meets up with, with Tony Stark. And so they both are in the process now of fighting off Call Obsidian and also protecting Bruce Banner at the same time because Wong teleported him into the park where uh, the fight ended up coming to him. Oh, anyways, right? Yeah, exactly. And so. also, we do need to uh, point out that Peter's there because he is your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Right. So this is, New York is his neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So that's why he's there, even though... There is a little thing with Tony. Tony doesn't want him there. Right, exactly. Yep. So that happens. Actually, Tony does is okay with him being there at, in New York. Okay. Right, remember? Right. That's he said, true. He says, we're trying to protect a wi- the wizard's necklace from, you know, these aliens. Right, that's right. true. That is so, true. Yeah, and I do like that. That, you know, the, the movie's a little self aware at that point because, like, really, I mean, we're talking about guys from space that are here to take a wizard's necklace. I mean, that's exactly what's going on, really, if you distill it down to what it is. Right. So I, I do like that. And they're, they are successful. Spider Man, Iron Man, and Wong, they're successful in taking care of the threat of Obsidian. You know, they, they put the. Uh, teleportation circle. Wong puts him never in the yes, sends him in the cold somewhere. Right, exactly, cuts off his arm. Yep. So we got that. Uh, I think that was a nice callback to what happened to the dragon in the beginning of Ragnarok. I agree. You know? Yes, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, they got rid of Obsidian, but that still doesn't leave the, the problem with Ebony Moss. So he takes uh, Doctor Strange, and he's successful at uh, you know holding him captive and taking, taking him, on. him to the spaceship. Yeah, and and. Uh, he is also he's unable to get this time stone out off of Strange because he put a, an enchantment on the necklace that only he can unbreak it. So right, and so Ebony Moss is saying that yeah, well I'll just kill you. Right, I'll just take all of you yes. with me, and then you know he'll torture. The plan is to torture him to get him to release the stone. But uh, um, anyway, he can't get to that right now. He's just going to do it while on the way to Titan. So he he does that. He he escapes. Uh, Spider-Man is trying to uh, pursue him, and he ends up getting to the ship. And so, basically, right, and Tony's on his way to the ship. Exactly. Yeah, he realizes that he has to go and save Strange at this point. And Wong and uh, Bruce are left back on Earth. And so, Bruce uh, decides that he's going to contact Steve Rogers with the flip phone that Rogers gave Stark at the end of Civil War. Right. We do need to note that uh, Peter was getting way too high up, mm-hmm. hanging on to the spaceship. Right. And so we get a call from Tony yeah. calling to the plant to send out... Uh, 17A. Yeah, 17A, <laughs> yeah. which surprisingly is another Spider-Man suit. Right, so. which, what, what, but we did see that Spider-Man suit at the end of Homecoming. Correct, yeah, but, but, he, but he did not take it. exactly. So now we actually get he gets the Iron Spider suit, and thankfully it smells like a new car, and it gives him uh, air support, so it's, he's able to. It's a, a wonderful. Uh, he is such a refreshing mm-hmm. part of this movie because mm-hmm. his little teenage quirks, yeah, or things that he says, yeah, really just makes for some very entertaining parts of the movie. Right, exactly. But so Tony thinks that he's going to go back to Earth. Right, yeah. He tells him to deploy the parachute, and that's uh, what... As far uh, as we know, that's it. Exactly, yeah. He, But he, but we do see him, you know, on the other... He, he uses his web slinger to get back on the ship. Because he knows that Tony's going to need backup. 
Which he does. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, which is, you know, uh, exactly right. He made the right call, even though Tony's really upset about it. We do get one scene, I do want to make a note of this, where Pepper tries to contact Tony, and the signal's dying, and so, you know, you get this kind of heart-wrenching scene where Pepper's like, oh, I'm going to lose him again at this point. And, uh, you know, that obviously, you know, comes back. We'll we'll see a reference to that in the next couple films, but... um, we see that at this point their relationship is back on again and they're uh, to be married at this point. Yes, and so. they're talking about family and mm-hmm. yeah, yes, and she definitely is not happy that he's doing. He was supposed to come back to her right for a dinner meeting or something that they had later. He said he was going to be back later that yeah. night. Well, lo and behold, that's not happening. No, no, fortunately not. But so, he really is not sure what he's going to do. Right. Yeah, we don't know. And we have uh, we have Doctor Strange there. Mm-hmm. We have Ebony Moss. We have Spider Man mm-hmm. and Iron Man. Right. Right. And uh, they somehow get Doctor Strange uh, away. He's in some kind of like he's going to be acupunctured or something. Yeah. Yeah. Before we get to that, though, we actually. We're in space, and now we're going to go on to the other side of space. Oh, yes. Where we meet the Guardians, and so we get the rubber band man playing. Oh, yes. And so they, you know, very similar to all the Guardians movies, and so... Plus, on fa- on top of that, in uh-huh. this particular movie, we not only have Quill singing, yeah, <laughs> but Gamora is right. singing, too. Right, exactly. So they've obvious, Well... They've obviously played that song a lot if she knows the words to it. That's true. Yeah, I can just imagine them, you know, traveling around space with the exact 300 songs that he got on the Zune. And so that's, you know, that's happening. And they're responding to the distress signal from the Asgardian ship, which they don't know yet. So they travel to there. They realize that the ship's been destroyed. They have no idea what's going on. And then all of a sudden, this giant body crashes on the windshield <laughs> it's oh, thor yes. and he opens his eyes so he's alive so thor i guess as guardians are uh able to withstand the vacuum of space which is pretty amazing so well, yeah i guess yeah <laughs> so they, they they bring him on the ship and this is the second dyad that we see where we get two people that are very similar in personality where it completely Makes things crazy. I so, love this interaction. Yeah, so Star-Lord and Thor, very similar. You know, this happy warrior, you know, not too serious, a little bit of humor. and But the leader. Yeah, exactly. And it's amazing how threatened Quill is by Thor. You know, it's like, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that everybody else on the ship is like, wow, this, you know, this is not a dude. This is a man. Yes. <laughs> that was Drax said. Yes, Drax said. <laughs> Definitely a man. <laughs> and then, you know, Quill's got to lower his voice. Yeah. And then Thor's like, are you mocking me? Right. No, are you mocking me? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think a lot of it, like we say, we, they, they, they definitely, they, they, it's... Together, they're way more ridiculous than, you know, they, they are apart from each other. Right. And then uh, because of that, Thor thinks that uh, Rocket is the most intelligent one there, and he's the one in charge. <laughs> Which he calls Rabbit. Right. He calls him a rabbit. And uh, him and uh, Groot, mm-hmm. Rocket and Groot, go with Thor. They're going to a place. Yes. For him to get another hammer. Yes, uh, Nidavellir is the name Thank of the you. place. Um, yes. it's, it's the heart of a dying star. It's a forge where el- uh, dwarves live, and they're responsible for forging the most uh, epic weapons for Asgard. And so 
that's where Thor needs to go because now that he no longer has Mjolnir, he knows that he needs a new uh, weapon to defeat him. And so, yeah, like you said, they decide to split up, and so they're going to do that. Rock and Groot go with him. And then everybody else is going to go to Nowhere, which was introduced at, in Guardians 1, where the Collector is. And because, because Thor knows that the Aether, which was the Reality Stone, was given to... The Collector. Yeah, Tanelir Tavon. Yes. And so that is there. Let's. I want to do point out that nowhere mm-hmm. is K N O. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. Not N O. Right. Exactly. Nowhere. So it's a place of knowledge. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I could say that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I would agree. So Thor, Rocket, and Groot take off in the smaller ship. Mm-hmm. I and I thought it was funny that Thor could speak Groot. Right. And uh, Quill says, oh, you, you know how to speak Groot? He goes, oh, yes, it was elect- an elective back in school. Yeah, in Asgard, yeah. Yeah, in Asgard. Yeah. I thought, oh, really? Wow. Yeah, yeah, that, that was pretty funny. It was. Yeah, so anyway, that, that, that ends up happening. He explains kind of the situation to them. So they know of the Avengers, the Earth Mighty, Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Right, but they've never been to Earth. Exactly, so... Um, that, that, that part. Except that Quill was born there, but yeah. hadn't been back there. Right, exactly. exactly. So they head to Nidavellir. So now we go back to Earth. We're in on the other side of the pond in Scotland. And we get the scene with Vision and Scarlet Witch. And they're together. They've been trying to you know have a relationship long distance because Vision is not on the run, but Wanda is because of what has happened um, with the... Uh, Civil War events after Civil War. And she right. Put, the, um, yeah. So the Cobia Accords. Cobia Accords. Right. So that that happens as they are planning on to le- leaving. Uh, they see the news broadcast about Tony Stark missing and New York attacked by an alien thing, and then they realize, hey, the, the things that Vision's been experiencing with the Mind Stone, it's actually a warning. And then we get Corvus Glaive and Proxima Midnight going to get. Yeah. The Mind Stone, exactly. Yes. Yeah. So she puts up a fight. She tries to get away, and it looks like they get you know knocked into a train station, and all of a sudden, they get their bacon saved by yes, none other than the Steve Se- Rogers, right? The Secret Avengers. I'm going to call them. Yes, you could. <laughs> That's, that, that is a book in the in the Marvel uh, universe. So I believe that. But, yeah. Uh, Rogers, Falcon, yep. right, and Black Widow mm-hmm. are there together. Exactly. Yep. So they they. Uh, best Corpse Clay, they seemingly mortally wound him, and Proxima Midnight uh, escapes with him, and they they get away. Uh, so they they save Vision for now, but they realize oh they're going to come back. It's just a matter of time. So we got to figure out what we're going to do with this. And so they decide they're going to go back to Avengers headquarters and see it's it's time to kind of let the past be the past. Let's you know we got to get together because the threat is much bigger than what's happening here on Earth. Right, and they have an Agents of Shield Quinjet. That's true. That cloaks to invisibility, which so, is the same thing in the Agents of Shield right, TV show. So yeah, it makes good. sense. Yep. So from there, we get a flashback of Gamora's childhood, and so we see basically what Thanos was doing prior to getting the stones or his quest for the stones. He was just going planet by planet, uh, killing half the population. And so um, we see what happens. That Gamora's planet was actually one of the victims of Thanos, and so he. Uh, takes a liking to her and kind of just takes her on as his own 
and he gives her a little bit little ceremonial knife and tells her how to balance it on one finger and so we see that and she still has that knife and then we get this scene where she's talking with quill basically saying hey um i have this knowledge and that if thanos gets a hold of it the world the universe is at stake so if something were to happen to me if i get captured by him i need you to kill me so the knowledge dies with me and so she makes him promise on his mother that he will do it and so he does right which to me Mm -hmm. that is an issue okay as we later come on to see yeah that she obviously told somebody else too right which well she told somebody else she knew, but she didn't tell them the, the details, which right? we'll, we'll see. Right. But, she, but he, yeah. the other person had enough information that right. if well, she would have died, it wouldn't have mattered. Right. But well, we no, see, no, no. I, th- I think she, she, he wouldn't have been able to get the information. No, because he didn't know the exact location. Okay. Yeah, well, we'll get to that. All right. So, we'll get there. Um, they're still traveling to nowhere, and so she, he makes the promise to her. They have a, a romantic moment, and then... It gets in, in, uh, interrupted by somebody loudly chewing on a Zarg nut. <laughs> yes, yes, that's true. And uh, Drax is convinced that if he stays so incredibly still, he becomes invisible. <laughs> that's right. And how long have you been standing there? Oh, about an hour. <laughs> and they weren't even there an hour, so, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's just, it's funny. That's that's more of the, you know, James Gunn level of humor yes. that gets injected into the, into the film. And plus... The fact that then uh, the other girl, Mantis. Uh, Mantis, comes in there and he's saying, hey, you can't see me moving. Oh, yeah, I can see you, too. You yeah, know? yeah, Everybody can see you. Yeah. And then he's like, damn, <laughs> you know, and he walks away. But, yeah. But they do get to nowhere. Right. And we get this big scene. Mm-hmm. And Gamora yeah. is going to attack Thanos. Right. Exactly. Yeah. We see him torturing Tavon. Yes. Yeah. And trying to get him to uh, reveal where, what happened to the stone. And so, like you said, Drax tries to attack him straight forward because, you know, he wants to avenge the death of his wife and his daughter. But uh, Manta, Mantis puts him to sleep to, to knock him out and then he, you know, makes a big thud. And so um, they go to attack him and we see the Gamora fight Thanos, deliver the killing blow. He's bleeding out, he's dying. And so, she's crying right and it's yeah exactly and then if we find out it's all been an illusion thanos is already there he's already got the reality stone and he used the reality stone to make it look like he didn't get it yet so we kind of see him utilize the stones as he acquires them he's actually using their powers to do these different things right right like he uses the power stone to blow up the asgardian ship he used the space stone to teleport out of there after they after he got it because if you saw the when he teleports is a blue cloud yes. the space stone is blue right and then he used the reality stone which you see when when the effect was when it actually gets revealed what nowhere actually looked like it was all burnt up and everything yes. the edge of when it was being revealed was red so the red reality stone was doing that so you right. can tell he's been utilizing the stones as he gets them to do all these crazy right, he's things. He's learning as he goes. Exactly. And he also uses the reality stone on on Drax and Mantis as well. He makes them break into all those different pieces. Right. Ribbon for Mantis right. and bricks for Drax. Right. And then or something like that. Yeah, exactly. And so as he holds Gamora hostage, uh, Quill is threatening to shoot him, but he realizes or Gamora told him you need to shoot her. You need to kill her and he does, but bubbles come out of his gun right it was a long drawn out little right. thing uh of love and uh 
We are starting to see some of Thanos's emotions and his feelings. He's not this cut and dry person. Right. You know, that there are sides to him. Right. Right. And he actually didn't think much of Quill right. until he was going to shoot Gamora. Right. And then he likes him. Then he likes him. <laughs> he feels that, okay, this guy is, he thinks like I think. Right. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Th- so, yeah. He uses the space stone to take her away. And they realize, okay, it's not good. He now has three stones. So, he's, he's really, really dangerous at this point. So, uh, from there we go back to Earth. And we get to the event- Secret Avengers going to a place where uh, they can help out with Vision and the Mind Stone. Because they have a theory now that if they can separate... The, it, they, that if Wanda, uh, because her powers came from the Mind Stone, if she were to use her energy at the back at the Mind Stone, it creates a feedback loop and destroys the stone. That's what the plan is. But they don't want to kill Vision. So uh, Steve has an idea. I think that we can find some people that can help us out remove the stone from Vision. So he might be okay if we do that. So let's, we got to try it. Instead well, of trying it. first they go back to Avengers right. Plaza. Right. And we get to see... Uh, Senator Ross. Or Secretary Ross. Or Secretary Ross. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. He's still part of the government, and he wants uh, Roddy to arrest them. Right. And he says, sure. And he just like... Yeah. Ends the call. Yeah, blows them all away. Yep. And that's when we get to the point that... Uh, right. That we need to go somewhere. Right. I know a place. Yeah, Bit Banner. Uh, that's where he makes the comment. There's an Ant Man and a Spider Man. Yes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that, and that's where we also get a uh, explanation of why Clint and Scott aren't in the movie because they took a deal while they were in prison. They're, so they're on house arrest because they have families, and so they want to make sure that they're they're, they're they are there for their families. Right, which we will delve more into the house arrest thing uh, next in, week. Is it next week? Yeah, I think it. I think it is. Okay, it's either next week or the week after. Right. Yeah, it's one of the two. Yep. So we get. Uh, that's the reason that they're not in the movie. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, if they were in the movie, also. <laughs> I mean. What? Yeah. I mean, pretty much, yeah. that would be everybody. It would be, yeah. Yeah, so, well, no, because we still got a movie to introduce another character, too. Mm-hmm. But there are plenty yeah. of heroes to go around in this movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, but we do get there eventually. Right, go to Wakanda at this point. And uh, we learn that uh, Steve tells the king, T'Challa. Mm-hmm. What's happening? That uh, something big's going to be coming. Well, before that, they we get the scene with the white wolf. Oh yes, that's true. I yeah, forgot. yeah. They bring a case out. Looks like it might be some kind of a machine gun. Right. But it's not. Right. And they're like, "Well, what do you think? How is he going to react?" You yeah. Know? Yeah. So, yeah, we get to see Bucky, and he gets a new arm from. I, I'm assuming it's made of vibranium. It has to. Oh be. yes. <laughs> Definitely. So that's pretty cool. Right. Uh, that would mean that it would never yeah. mess up. Right. And, uh, of course, he's like, okay, where's the fight? Yeah. You know, on and its way. And it's on its way. Okay, well, I'll be ready. You yeah. Know? Yeah. 
So that part's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. So that then the the, the Avengers meet up uh, with uh, T'Challa and Okoye, and um, yeah. So we get a right. I, everybody hugs and yeah. they're happy to see each other. Right. And we get this scene with uh, Rhodey. Yeah. What did they change his? Uh, it's not. Uh, what do they call his uh, Iron Man outfit? I, oh, are you talking about the Iron Patriot? Yeah, Iron Patriot. Yeah, they changed the name. Well, he's, yeah, he's, he's War Machine now. He doesn't have he, the Stars and Stripes armor anymore. Okay, so he's going to... He's War Machine. Yeah. And he tells... Uh, Banner, yeah. Banner that, oh, yeah, you, you have to... It's a king. Oh, do I have to bow? Yeah, you have to bow. He's a king, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know what he does. And then he's like... And, and uh, T'Challa... No, we don't do that here. You know, it's like and, that was pretty funny. And Rhodey's just like cracking up. Yeah, you, know? you mess with them. Yeah. So you're right. Yeah. So they, they bring him to Shuri because obviously she's being the scientific genius that she is. Um, she she's the one that's going to try to be able to help Vision get the Mind Stone out. And so, um, you know, they, there's a little bit of interaction there. And then she says there's trillions of things of like neurons. Nothing? Yeah, trillions. I, I think that's accurate to how our neurons are, are wired in our brain. So that would make sense know. if an artificial one be similar to that. Yes. So anyway, uh, you know, they, they realize that, hey, this is going to take a little while. Yeah. Oh, and, yes. And, a long while, actually. And while it's happening, the uh, Proxima Midnight and now Call Obsidian, they found him so that now they, they're about to plan an invasion of Wakanda. And so they realize they're coming down like, okay. I didn't notice if he had another arm. He had a, 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 a prosthetic. Right. Kinda yeah, it was, like, it was like uh, a hook or something. Almost like a, a gauntlet. Yeah, yeah. Similar, but yeah. had other things on They do. Yeah, he did get a replacement. So yeah, there's that. And then as, they, as the invasion starts, we get a flash over to the ship that's on its way to Titan with Ebony Maw. Right. And then we get this great comic uh, relief Yeah, that uh, Iron Man says, well, hey, all right, kid, what would you have for a plan? Goes, oh, you remember this real old, old movie? Yeah. And then we aliens. get a scene from Alien. Yeah. Well, well the, he says aliens. Yes, true. So it's like not. It's like he's even misremembering mis- the title because the first movie was Alien and that's really where this plan comes from correct right because ridley at the end of the movie she gets the sucks the mother out yeah of the ship by opening up right a, a bay door that lets right everything out right so even him you know remembering this old movie it's not even the same old movie he's talking about <laughs> he, he messed up although yeah yeah it was the first movie yeah because the second movie time. she uses a flamethrower to take out the, the queen that's true yeah yes it's pretty cool anyway uh yeah so they they suck ebony maw to the vacuum of space he dies they save dr strange and they realize okay do we go back to earth or we bring the fight to him on titan and so they decide uh tony makes the case that they need to go to titan to, to, to confront right, and dr strange agrees yes but he also says as a caveat that if it comes to choosing between them and the time stone he's gonna let them die yes so and we also learned that none of them know how to fly that spaceship. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So we'll find that out as they uh, as they land on Titan. But before we get to that, we actually have uh, a scene with Thanos and Gamora. So this is really the only other clip that I recorded because this really explains 
Thanos, his motivations, and it's completely different from the comic, uh, like his motivations here. So let's listen to this conversation between him and Gamora, and we'll uh, talk about his motivations, and there's some really interesting um, worldview things we can talk about after that. I was a child when you took me. I saved you. No. No. We were happy on my home planet. Going to bed hungry, scrounging for scraps. Your planet was on the brink of collapse. I'm the one who stopped that. You know what's happened since then? The children born have known nothing but full bellies and clear skies. It's a paradise. Because you murdered half the planet. A small price to pay for salvation. You're insane. Little one, it's a simple calculus. This universe is finite, its resource is finite. If life is left unchecked, life will cease to exist. It needs correction. You don't know that! I'm the only one who knows that. At least I'm the only one with the will to act on it. For a time, you had that same will as you fought by my side, daughter. I'm not your daughter. Everything I hid about myself, he taught me. Then in doing so, made you the fiercest woman in the galaxy. That's why I trusted you to find the soul stone. I'm sorry I disappointed you. I am disappointed. But not because you didn't find it. But because you did. And you lied. So, we get his completely non-obsession with death uh, motivations for his uh, his thing. So right, His obsession is with life. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And so this reminds me of a gentleman by the name of Paul uh, Ehrlich. Do you know who Paul Ehrlich is? Uh, tell me. Okay. So he wrote this book in the 70s called The Population Bomb. I don't know if you've heard of this, but basically his claim was that uh, at at that time in the 1970s, there was this real danger of overpopulation humanity you know was at i don't know maybe a couple billion at the time not the same you know obviously we've grown quite a bit since then but obviously. he he was saying that basically what was going to happen is we were going to run out of food people there's going to be mass starvation there's going to be global cooling and it's the end of the world as we know it right basically it's a um secular version of how Lindsay, late great planet Earth, right? Basically, he he was all about eschatology, but it was a secular eschatology. Anyway, his his point was, you know, our planet is finite; its resources finite, right? That's what he was saying. Yes, right. And then there's another gentleman I want to introduce you to. That is uh, Norman Burlog. So Norman Burlog is the father of the Green Revolution. So just a, a little while after uh, Paul, you know, does his doomsday predictions. This guy starts this thing called the Green Revolution, where they have uh, they figured out a way to genetically modify crops using selective breeding and just making what they call high yield crops. 
and basically it like the amount of lives saved because we were able to produce so much more food with a lot less space and water and other resources we were to produce so much more food he saved like millions and millions of lives this one man so my point is is that you can think, oh yeah, the, the earth is finite, we're going to die because we're overpopulating it, we're, we're doing all these terrible things, but we have no, like, we're, I think we've just scratched the surface of what we could actually do and get out of the planet, and not only that, but what what's in beyond, and so my, my point is, is like, you know, Thanos can think about it like that, but in reality, that's not how the world works. God always is providential over these things, and he is always uh, you know, putting things in place for us to discover, things for us to discover, to cultivate, to um, have dominion over, and make things better. It's always going to be like that. Uh, God is always do- he's doing that, and he's giving us the uh, abilities to do those things. And so I think that it's definitely... Uh, in, op- in opposition to our worldview as Christians, know what God has done for us, what he's revealed to us, and what he's given us. So I think that's something that I really see the parallels between the two. Well, reality is that we probably, with all the starving mouths that are out there, mm-hmm. there is more than enough food to feed every one of them right. that gets thrown away every day. Right. But but what I'm saying is like the fact is, is that like it would it, the predictions were at the because there was no way for him to foresee how like much more food our crops were capable of producing. He thought that it was going to be the end of the world. Right. It ended up being the exact opposite. Well, and again, the fact of the matter, Gamora said she was happy. And he goes, "Oh, you were happy with an empty belly, mm-hmm. right?" He so thought that there wasn't enough food in reality. Right. There is a plenty of food. It's not just about food. It's right. about all kinds of different things. I mean, there, there's things that we're, we're figuring out doing with, you know, fracking and other things like that, like getting more oil out of what we got now. And there's other, you know, renewable technologies we're working on. So it's, it's like, it's not like, uh, I think people wrongly assume that like production and energy is a finite thing. And the answer is it's not. No. Right. I mean, we're always, we're going to find new ways to do things and, also, yeah. new jobs to go with those new ways and right. new things. That's my point. And so, like, I think Thanos, and, and that's the thing, like, a lot of people, particularly on the internet, had this uh, almost sympathetic view from him, saying, hey, he's right. You know, we're in the spot now where the world's going to end in 12 years or whatever due to, you know, climate change or whatever. And I I, I just think uh, it, it's, it's you know, like I said, they're, they're basically doomsday prophets, but they're secular. That's the only difference between the two. Right. And as a Christian. Right. Uh, we know that we are to be about God's work every sure. day, one right. way or another. Right. Uh, we're to let his light shine in all that we do, yeah. show his love to others. Mm-hmm. And it's also for us, uh, we have the ability yeah. to do what's right. Mm-hmm. You know, So we can't just stand alone and not do that. Sure. So if we follow along with that, there's going to be no need to kill half the population. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. And I think that's that's really what it is. It's more of a nihilistic worldview that uh, seems that people, you know, like they're, that's what it's about. There's no real meaning to life, and therefore we should... Right. It wasn't an ethnic cleansing. 
because it was all about he didn't care rich or poor. Exactly. Yeah, he was trying to be as fair as possible. It doesn't matter if it was just a flip of the coin. If you you know got heads instead of tails, that's it. Right, which kind of would. Two Face, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Two Face, uh, DC as a DC reference, but as a biblical reference, there was a there's a story uh, where they say, uh, you know, be prepared. Mm-hmm. You know, the one in the house might still be around. The one in the field will be gone, or mm-hmm. the one on the roof. Don't have your children because they might be gone. It's it's. Uh, I wish I. Had a clearer vision of that reference, okay. but I don't. So yep. we'll just, maybe one of our listeners yeah. could uh, mention that, bring that up. But yep. anyways. Anyway, yeah. So Let's continue. Exactly. So Thanos reveals to Gamora that uh, Nebula has been captured by him because she tried to kill him. And because he is able to uh, scan her memories, he saw the scene where Gamora tells Nebula that she knows where the Soul Stone is. But she didn't tell her where it was. And so basically he's going to torture Nebula in order to get Gamora to tell him where it's at. And so she does tell him it's on the planet Vormir. And uh, guess what? They're going to Vormir. Her her and him. Right. Yes. As a matter of fact, uh, she says that she burned the map. She found where it was at and she burned the map. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So. So they're going there. Right. And while, while we're doing that, we're switching the scenes now to Nidavellir. And so Thor... And Rocket and Groot, they're on their way there. Rocket tries to get a pep talk to Thor. And uh, Thor's like, yeah, you know, I've lost everything pretty much. And all I've got left is this uh, deep-seated revenge that I need to do. And it's the only thing keeping me going. And basically, I'm 1,500 years old. I've killed twice as many people. They've all stood against me. They've all lost. And he's like, well, except for Thanos. But nobody who's ever faced me twice has ever, you know. And he's like, well, what if you're wrong? He's like... I can't be wrong. Right. And if I am. Right. It's, yeah. And it's actually, that's, again, his argument that he had with Quill. They were like comparing, oh, I lost my mom. Oh, I lost my mom. Yeah. Oh, I lost my dad. Oh, I lost my dad. I killed my dad. Yeah. You know, I'm better than you. Right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And I kept both my eyes. That was cool. Yes. Thing. I know. <laughs> yes. Again, I hate to flash back to no, this. No, it's okay. Right? So uh, they get to Nebedalir, and uh, they realize that the star is not shining. Uh, it's not shining. The forge is not moving. And so they, they land, and they figure out that Eitri, who is the dwarf played by Peter Dinklage, is the only one that's left. He killed everybody. Thanos was there. He made Eitri craft the gauntlet, and then he maimed him. So his, his hands are, like, turned to stone almost, it looks like. And so basically Thor's like, look, I understand things are wrong, but... You got the plans for a epic weapon in your in head. In your mind, yeah. Exactly. That's what we need. And we'll figure out the rest of it. We'll get the forge restarted. You you do your thing. And so that's what he, he does. So um, Eitri realizes that, yeah, I need to do that for Thor in order to get revenge on Thanos for killing all the dwarves as well as Asgard. Because right. at the beginning. And, and great uh, cinematography there. Yeah. Because he is a lot larger than he really is. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, they did that really well. And then I also want to say this is actually a, like a part of a Walt Simonson uh, story arc that, unfortunately, uh, I don't know how they're going to do this because originally E-Tree is crafting Stormbreaker because of uh, the character Beta Ray Bill, which we mentioned him in, in Ragnarok. So Beta Ray Bill comes. He is worthy enough to hold Mjolnir. And because of that, 
there's a second weapon that needs to be crafted. So yes. Thor goes on a quest to Nibbidalir to get Stormbreaker for Beta Ray Bill. So Beta Ray Bill was the one who actually wielded Stormbreaker, and Thor had Mjolnir. We go back to Thanos' ship real quick. We see Nebula still being chained up. She is able to escape. She contacts Mantis saying, hey, you need to meet me on Titan. We're going to go confront Thanos and kill him. And then that was a real quick scene, and then it goes back to... Uh, Iron Man and Titan. It goes to yeah, Titan. Yeah, then they go. They actually arrive at Titan at the same time, pretty much. And so they crash land, like you said. They, they don't really know how to steer the ship. And so, uh, thanks to quick thinking from Doctor Strange, he sets up a barrier for them to survive the crash. And immediately, they get assaulted by the Guardians, thinking that they're working for Thanos. Exactly. Yeah. Which so which is the next confrontation? Right. Now Quill, who had a confrontation with Thor, and now he's going to have one with Iron Man. Yeah. With yeah. Tony Stark. Yeah, but this one is not like Thor in that the other personalities are different. So, like, it's it's comical and it's funny, but, like, they don't really, like, make each other worse, I don't think. Not, the, not in the same way that Doctor Strange and Iron Man does or Thor and Quill does. That's that's the other. So they have those two dyads there that kind of make them. But it's it's funny at this point because right. But they're still both alpha males. Yeah, you know, actually, almost all the superheroes yeah. are alpha males or yeah. alpha females. Yeah, you yeah. Know? So it, it, that that's what I would say. It, yeah, we'll get to that part in just a few minutes. But yeah, like you said, you know, they they Quill takes Spider Man hostage, Iron Man takes Drax hostage, and so basically they have a standoff. And then <laughs> it's Who like, do you serve? Right. What am I supposed to say? Jesus? Yeah. <laughs> Which, finally, we get a shout out to Jesus. So yes. and then it took, you know, 15 movies, but we finally got one. So that's good. Anyway, so that, that happens. Uh, they realize that they're from, he's from Earth, at least. And so there's really funny interaction about the dance off to save the universe, which referenced the first Guardians movie. And uh, uh, Peter's like, oh, yeah, like in Footloose. And so it's like, you know, Footloose? <laughs> Is it still the greatest movie ever? Never was. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Yes, another great one. Right. Thank you, Peter Parker. Yep. So they realize, hey, they're not with Thanos. The other people not with Thanos. They need to wait for Thanos. And so while they do that, they're trying to come up with a plan. And like you said, there's a little bit of a funny interaction between trying to figure out who is going to figure it's part, out. It's part of my plan. No, right. that's my plan. No. Exactly. So while that's happening, Doctor Strange is using the Time Stone to look at different possible futures. Right, and we get a real crazy blah, 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 yeah. where he's going through all this stuff, which right. kind of reminds me. I think there was a scene like that previous mm-hmm. in another movie. Mm-hmm. He said, "How many? Four, uh, Fourteen million plus." Yes, yeah. and uh, there was only one scenario right. where they won. Right. So not a good thing. Right. Exactly. So, do you think, based on the outcome? Mm-hmm. Of what he did, do you yeah. think that that might have influenced his reason for doing what he did later on? Oh, of course. Yeah, that, that's this. That was the only way he knew that would work. Yeah. So you're absolutely right about that. So yeah, that happens. Um, they're coming up with a plan, and then before they get further along with that, and before Thanos arrives, they actually before they go back to Titan, they go to Vormir to get the Soul Stone. This this real this scene here really reminds me of the story of Abraham and Isaac. So they arrive at the planet. We get uh, greeted by an ethereal version of Red Skull at this point, which is really cool because it's a good callback to the uh, first Avenger. Because, it is because he touches the soul the the space stone 
and the space stone teleports into Vormir, and he becomes trapped right. there the this whole time. Like watcher, or yeah, it's like a watcher type, or of thing. Uh, keeper of the soul stone. Right, basically the curator, I would say. Yeah, the there you stone. go. <laughs> so yeah, he explains to them how the soul stone works, and like I said, at this point, you know, uh, Thanos has to sacrifice something that he loves. And basically, for me, like I said, it reminds me of Abraham and Isaac in the Bible where Abraham is called to sacrifice his son. Right. Someone that he loves is what he tells Thanos. Right. But Thanos, who does right. have deep love right. for his daughter, right. Gamora. Right. She, on the other hand, is laughing, saying, Oh, yeah. You just totally lost. Lost. Yeah. Because you don't love anybody. Right. And she was wrong. Yeah, she was. And and I think that's the other thing is that, like, you know, that, and that's why I think that this is really a Thanos' story because it really does show, like, some, I think the phrase is poor at this point, but the humanity of him, you know. He, he has feelings. He does love. He does experience those things. He's right. Not, he's, and he's not just this monster that's obsessed with death like in the comic. You right. Know, and he is misdirected. Right. Uh, in his views. Right. Which there are a lot of us uh, in humanity, yeah. uh, especially nowadays, that have misdirected views. We have good intentions, right? but a lot of the things that we do are sometimes uh, misdirected right. because we don't have the total story. But he, on the other hand, right. has decided that his way is the right way and the only way it's going to happen right. is for him to have the guts. Right. To do what needs to be done. Right. And this is one of those times. Yeah. And uh, we actually see one of the great parts of Brolin's acting here. Yeah, right. You know, because we did say that he did the... Motion capture. Motion capture. So... Yeah. A lot of those expressions and a lot of the things that he goes through during this whole movie. Right. Really... Yeah. He does make Thanos somewhat human. Right. Agreed. She's he's crying and she's like, "Well, why are you crying? Because you're not going to get what you want." And, right. And Red Skull says, "Who isn't the original actor?" I might add. Right. Not Hugo Weaving. Right. Uh, he says the tears aren't for him. Right. They're for you. Right. Yep. Yep. So that's it. I mean, and that that is one of the the most heart wrenching scenes in the movie where you know he just really conflictedly he takes the takes her arm and just throws her off the cliff and uh he wakes up with the cell phone in his hands and he's he's he, he finished it yeah so uh yep so that after that scene we go back to wakanda and we get the you know shuri starts working on vision and that's when they go down to the the barrier and they realize that they have to get uh, fight the the bad guys that are coming right which kind of reminded me of episode one star wars okay think about it uh-uh. All right, uh, the robots came to the planet, yeah. and, and you had Jar Jar and the others. Uh-huh. They were in a dome. They had a thing that made a dome okay. around yep. themselves. Yep. Yep. So yep. you can kind of... Yeah, I see it now. Can I see that? So it's two Star Wars references. Sure, yeah, yeah. So they did... <laughs> You're right. I just thought about that just now. Yeah, so. no, that's good. That's good. Yeah, so like I said, Proxima Midnight and Culp Sitting are there. T'Challa makes this... Uh, ultimatum, like saying, you know, Thanos is not going to get anything here but blood and dust. You're not going to get the Mind Stone. And uh, Proxima says, well, we've got blood to spare. And that's when they send in all the 
uh, right. goons to come in to you know try to get past the barrier. Which for me, although it wasn't the same, it was a close reference to Stranger Things. Yeah, no, they kind of like Demogorgons. Sure, yeah, kind of like them, but they had regular mouths. Yeah. So yeah, they they get to that point. They're fighting them off, and as they are going along the barrier, they realize that they have so many of these little creatures that if they surround the barrier, then there's nothing between them and Vision. And so they realize that they, in order for them to keep them in the same spot, they have to open the barrier. Right, because they are, let's say they are breaking through the barrier. Right, they are, but they're barely breaking through. But the thing yes, is, like, even there's if a just, lot of them dying. Yeah, and if just a few of them break through in the back, on the backside of Wakanda, then, you You're know. You're done. They're right, done. Exactly. Uh, so while that's happening, we go back to Nidavellir, and Thor takes the, the pod that they're in, and he, you know, uses his super strength to wind it around and get him to go on the rings to get the forge back going, right? Right. He tells, he's holding on to a cable or something, yeah. and he sends Rocket out in the ship, <laughs> and as it goes forward, he says, start the engines, and he's holding on with one hand to the yeah. cable and the other hand to the rings, yeah. and they eventually... Get the rings to start moving till they get aligned. Exactly, yeah. And so from here, it's like, oh yeah, it's starting to work. And then all of a sudden, the aperture breaks, and yep. the uh, um, the energy from the star can't go hit the forge. And so they realize that it has to be held open manually. And of course, Thor is going to do it. The God of Thunder. Right. <laughs> so, and he does. Right. And he's going to die. He says, "Oh." What does that mean? It means you're gonna die, right? Yeah, you know? yeah. Itri has, you know, that's gonna kill you. He's like, not if I die, not if I don't die. And he's like, well, yeah, that's what killing you means. <laughs> so, and you know, because of his story on the way, yeah, you know, teenage Groot who really wasn't right, you know, all that involved. He's more involved in his video game, right? Defender, yes, yeah, good game, yeah. He does. We see that he was really listening during that whole time. Yeah, and he got part of the story, and he realized right that he is going to be part of it. Right. Exactly. Yep. So, yeah, Thor gets inside the middle of the aperture. He pulls it open, and like you know, you can definitely tell his arms are extended. Oh yeah. You know, and you remember what Drax called him at the beginning when they met him. He called him the God Man. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I'm like, okay, I see what you did there, Russo brothers. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, they do a lot of things like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. And they're noted basically for their action. Yeah. You know, but. Yeah. So. They're very intelligent. They do a lot of little things here and there, snippets. Right. That if we were like the real, 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 real geeks. Right. We would have an Easter egg show on this. Yeah. With about 175,000 Easter eggs right. or something, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, he, op he opens up the aperture the sun pretty much kills him almost like he's at the very end of death at the edge right exactly death. yeah and so but but the forge does melt the metal he pours the metal into the mold the mold is there and so he got two pieces of the stormbreaker put together and they're trying to find the handle he's freaking out not knowing right. where is not find it and so Groot like you said sees what's happening he realizes that he's got to use some of his roots to, to make the handle and yeah. so he does that yeah and then it's amazing, like, what happens. Stormbreaker goes to Thor, it heals him, and at the same time, it also controls the Bifrost. That's how he's able to teleport where he goes. That's yeah. how powerful this weapon is. It's pretty powerful. Yeah, so. And so, uh, from that point, 
we go back he goes to earth right yeah he he's well we don't know that that part doesn't happen just yet before that we go back to titan, titan. exactly okay, yeah right. so thanos arrives on titan oh that's right yes, yeah and then thanos needs that stone he's gotta first. get the time stone so he goes to get the time stone from strange because he assumes that ebony maw was successful in his mission and he technically was i guess he brought the time stone to a titan like he was supposed to just happens to still be in the per- on the person of dr strange and so they have this conversation and thanos uses the reality show- stone to show titan as it was yes and so that that's really like because of his experiences of what happened on titan thanos's experience that's what motivates him he saw that it was overpopulated and it, it actually ended up killing that planet and that's why he thinks that it's the same case everywhere. Right. And he called himself a survivor. Right. Right. So that, that happens there. And that, you know, we get a little bit more of his story to make him more sympathetic, saying, hey, I've experienced the destruction of what happens when overpopulation and lack of resources does. Right. And But the bottom line is because that they wasted those resources or they didn't prepare properly or use their mind. Right. I mean, right. technically, that should have never happened to that planet. Right. You know, if you, but that also is a similar to story, a uh, similar story to Krypton. Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. Krypton, Krypton is different in that there, no matter what was going to happen, the sun was going to, you know, die out. Right. But the bottom line is if you, the, there is storylines where it's because they overuse the resources mm. and the planet's core is what exploded. Oh, okay, that's different than like Man of Steel. Right. Well, the story with the uh, sun, mm-hmm. the sun became red from, you know, its years of right. being used. So yeah. there is, you know, two different sides of a story. It's like looking at the story from two different. Yeah. It's still the same story, but from two different views. Okay. So, but similar type thing. Sure. Yeah. So anyway, uh, at, at that point, uh, it's revealed that Doctor Strange is in alone, so the Guardians and the half of the Avengers are fighting and taking on Thanos, and their plan actually works. They 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 are almost done. They got they got him restrained. Mantis is on top of him on th- top of Thanos, you know, uh, making him, him docile yes. so they can pull off the gauntlet. It comes off of his hand. That's how close they get. And then they find out Quill finds out what happens to Gamora. Yes. And he just loses it. And he, he punches Thanos, uh, loosens the grip on Mantis. She He throws her off. He gets the gauntlet back on his hand, and it all goes to, you know, to pot at that point. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so. Yes, and uh, by that time, Nebula's coming in. Yes. And uh, she crashes right into him. Right. But, of course, that doesn't affect him. Right. And uh, we get to the point where he rips the necklace off of Strange's neck, only to find out, right. no... Uh, it's a fake. It's a fake. Yeah. And then he's threatening to kill uh, Tony. Yes, exactly. Yeah, Tony... Th- this is actually, I think, the coolest fight scene that Tony Stark has as Iron Man, because he's using like all of his really fascinating... He's, he's manipulating his armor in a way to actually take on Thanos... And he actually does draw blood at some point. Yes, he does. So all that for a little blood on my cheek. Right. You know? Exactly. Yeah. So he does that, and like you said, he is about to kill him. And Strange says, "Look, if you spare his life, I will give you the time stone. No tricks." 
and that's what ends up happening. Yes. So we, we find out, like, going back to what you said, that was the only way they could win. because By giving him the time stone now, that's the only way they can ensure the win, which is really interesting to make sure that Tony's still alive. Right. Right, because Tony needs to be alive. Exactly. Although we won't know that until we get to the end game. Right. Ba-dum-bum. Right, exactly. So, <laughs> like right. you said. So yeah. Thanos takes the space stone and right. leaves. Time stone. Time stone. Yeah, but he's, well, he, he uses the space stone to leave. He uses the space stone to leave. Right. So he now, all he needs left now is, is the mind stone. He's got everything else. Right, and we are getting into a real, real in-depth battle. Right. On Earth. Right. With all the superheroes that are there on right. Earth. Right, exactly. And this is when Thor joins them. It looks like yeah. they're, they're being devastated. Right, Over, overrun by all the uh, bad guys. We have the Lego Hulk uh, Iron Man costume. Yes, yeah, Hulkbuster. Hulkbuster. Yeah. And uh, banners on the ground with a bunch of those creatures on them. Yeah. Uh, there's creatures on Captain America. Yep. Uh, Black Widows fighting uh, with uh, the lady. Proxima uh, Midnight. Yeah, Proxima Midnight. Yeah. And, you know, we're getting a whole bunch of this stuff going on. Right. Akoya and Black Widow. Mm-hmm. Seems like they're developing a respect relationship yeah. for each other. They could fight together. That's right. Yeah. We're seeing bonds made. Yep. Bucky's out there doing things. Yeah. Everybody's doing. And, and that's one thing. Loco is yeah. there. Yeah. So that's one thing I would say that I really did uh, thought was really they did well is that we saw like how advanced the weapons were from Wakanda in the, the movie just before and Black Panther. Like how like those spears could like shoot like these giant energy weapons and like just completely decimate things. They needed those weapons to be that powerful to take on that army. Yes, they you did. know, so like it, it was like really cool how they decided that hey, this was the right bat- place for the final battle. Right, and I do have to uh, mention, yeah, those weapons, yeah, uh, brought me to Stargate. Okay, because the uh, bad guys in Stargate, yeah. have uh, something that looks like a spear, but yeah, it opens up at the end and shoots out. Okay, a similar type beam. Yeah, and I was like. Okay, yeah. I could go for that. It's probably this. It's similar. Yeah, yeah. So they send out this giant uh, thing, uh, like this, almost like a, you know, looks like a, a tiller of some sort, you know, like the thing underground, whatever. It's going to, like, you know, crush them all. Right. And then Wanda realizes she has to go in there to use it, their magic powers to teleport it away and get rid of it. Right. Yes. And so then they realize, right, they distracted her. And so they sent in Corvus Glaive, who they thought was dead. He's not dead. He actually came in and, you know, tried to um, get rid of Shuri so, so he could take the Mind Stone for Vision. Right. Which she had a, some kind of a machine that she could shoot. Yeah, the sonic guns. A sonic type gun. Yeah. Right. And Vision, in turn, flies out. Right, exactly. Tries to get away. Right. So. And he does. And he starts to help with the fight because that's where right. uh, Wanda is. Right. Yep. So they get there and... At this point, like you said, they're about to get overrun, and then Thor from the Bifrost comes in with Rocket and Groot, and they, yeah, it's yes. like one of the best scenes like, where he just comes in, and he has that Stormbreaker, it's all lit up, and he just like jumps up, goes down, and then, you oh, know, yes. blows up. Yes. Oh, so cool. And Well, before he did that, he like threw it. And yeah, it just went, went around. around, yeah. And it was whacking all of those guys, <laughs> they were done. Yeah. 
That was great. And then Rocket. And yeah. there's a great scene with Rocket and yeah. Winter Soldier. Yes. Where they where he's got the uh, gun in one hand, right? And Rocket's got his gun. He's holding up Rocket. Yeah, in they're, one t- hand they're, and they're spinning around, around circle. That was the best. And then Rocket says, "Hey, how much for the gun?" Yeah, he's like, "No, not for sale, not for sale." And then, how much for the arm? Yeah, nope, not for sale. Which which I love that because you know this this is a thing about Rocket is that he loves collecting body parts, especially prosthetic body parts yeah, for some reason. Yes, like, that's right. Because he did give Thor. The eye he had an eye he that says, he got from contraxia. Yeah, and yeah. he was like, "Oh yeah, yeah." He says, "I yeah." Uh, I would have watched that if I were you. <laughs> yeah, uh, where I had to put it, and they didn't. Uh... But the other part is, you remember when they broke out of prison at the kiln? He he needed that guy's leg. You remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Quill's like, "Okay, I got the leg." He's like, "Oh, I didn't really need it. I just wanted to have it." <laughs> yeah, I just wanted it. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, so it's a good callback. It's like, yes, you know, so. Definitely. And that's the thing about everything about this movie is so good uh, with those things. Like the perfect thing where, um, you know, once Thor and Captain America are fighting side by side, you know, they're like, oh, you know, uh, Thor's like, oh, I see you copied my beard. And he's like, oh, yeah, you got a haircut. Yeah. So, I mean, and then he, t- he introduces, this is my friend Tree. And he says, I am Groot. Yeah. <laughs> Captain America's like, I am Steve Rogers. Yes. Oh yeah, it was great. And then and every it tied in every other movie from the MCU. Yeah. The the other thing that I did want to say is that I do see a third dyad that's not like the other two. So if you look at uh, T'Challa and Steve Rogers, I think they're also very similar, but they work well together. That's the difference. Yes. Because if you remember, as the battle, they open up the uh, the barrier. The bad guys come swarming in, and then he realizes, or he, he commands the Wakandan army to charge. Remember that? Yes. And they're all running towards the battle. If you remember, there's two people out in the front. One of yes. them's T'Challa, and the other one's Steve Rogers. And, and I then, thought when I saw that, yeah. is they're in a race to see who gets there yeah, Exactly. <laughs> so I think that is that is a positive aspect sometimes when you have two people. When, when, it, when it works, it works well. Well, I'm going to say that the reason that it worked... Uh-huh. I'm going to say that they are both patriots for their country. Agreed. Yeah, 100%. You know, so... Yeah. uh, Even though they are doing something that has to do with protecting the entire world... Right. uh, They know that they have to work together. Right, right. There's a certain amount of mutual respect. Exactly, yeah. And I think they have for each other. That that works the best, in my opinion, when it comes to different dyads. Didn't really care too much for the shield that he gave him. Yeah, it's okay. But it's all right. It, yeah. it, it, it worked, it functioned. It, it actually like is like two shields. It was on both of his arms, if you remember. Yes. Yeah, so it, yeah, I, I, you're right. I, I would agree. I think that, I don't know what they would have done, what they could have given him that would be better than like a regular like disc shield. I, I don't know. Right. I don't know. I have to think about that. Well, anyways, <laughs> we are getting to the point now. Right, we're... Where the battle is coming to a huge climax. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. Yep. So. And again, we're going to have people's hair blowing in the wind. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Thanos finally shows up because he has the time stone now. He has all the stones except for the mind stone. And uh, Call Obsidian and um, Corvus Glaive are both trying to get to Vision. And so you have uh, Steve Rogers and Hulkbuster. Banner, yeah, Hulkbuster Banner. <laughs> so Hulkbuster Banner takes on Corvus Glaive, 
he um, ends up attaching the arm from the Hulkbuster armor to Corvus Clave and gets them to skim across the, the barrier to, to blow up. And um, Rogers is able to best um, Clave and then uh, combat together. And then, at the same time, Proxima Midnight is going to try to kill Wanda, but Okoye and Black Widow Work team up to take her on and then they end up defeating her. Yes. So, like, all four of the Black Order are defeated at this point. Yes. So, and then, after all that happens, Thanos shows up. Right, and then we get this uh, heart-wrenching scene right. between Wanda and Vision. Right, they're out of time at this point. Yes, and it's gotten to the point where it's almost like Quill and Gamora. It's a repeat. Yeah, definitely. That, hey, and we get some, even though... We have to, I have to say, because we watched it with the captions. Right. If we didn't have the captions, we wouldn't have heard all the stuff that Vision was saying to Wanda, but he does express his true feelings for her as she blows him up. Right. Right. And and she's successful, right, at at this point. Yeah. At this particular point, yes. Yeah. And so uh, Thanos does try to sympathize with Wanda. Yes. Yeah. He says, I've lost a lot today as well. Which, yes. which, in fact, he has. His daughter, his lackeys from the Black Order. I mean, all, all of it's gone. Yeah. But he says time can be whatever I want it to be now. And so he uses the time stone to reverse what happens. Very similar to what Strange did at, at, in... In Doctor Strange. Right, yes. when he did the apple, when he moved yes. it, you know. So he did that, brought back Vision, ripped the stone out of his head, kills him, and now he has all five stones. And so Six stones. Six right? stones, yes. Sorry. Which, to me, I, th- I thought it was interesting, like, if, uh, sequentially, if he didn't get the Time Stone, if that was the last stone he would had to get, he probably wouldn't have been able to get, you know. So it's interesting that he had to use each stone. For something. Exactly. Except for the Soul Stone. He didn't really use that. We, have, we haven't been really told what the Soul Stone's power is. I've never seen it used yet. And so. Right. In the, in the comics. That's where um, Adam Warlock resided. Actually, there's a whole dimension inside of the Soul Stone that he lives. And so I don't know if we'll see any of that in the next upcoming movies, but that would be interesting. It would be. But anyway, he gets all six stones and then, you know, he's about to do what he does and everybody's putting up the biggest fight and he's just pushing everybody aside like it's nothing. Uh, Steve Rogers makes a valiant effort, you know, and uh, he takes him out. At the end, she punches him and just he goes flying. So, do you have Disney Plus Iron Man Armored Adventures? I think so. Okay, you ought to check that out because there okay. is a a stone thing going on there with Mandarin. Okay. So, it might I believe it was in season two, but it might have been part of season one. But okay, if you can get past the CG animation, it's, right? It's not the greatest. Oh, I know. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it before. But the storyline, there are some good storylines in there. Okay. So that might... I'm trying to think that I believe that they're the same stones, but... Okay. Maybe it's different. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, we... we yeah, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole That's yet. okay. So, yeah. I already did. You'll cut it out. It's okay. It's fine. Um, so, as he's about to do uh, what he's meant to do this entire film, this entire saga he's been wanting to do, he's about he's to do it. And before he does... In comes Thor, swinging Stormbreaker, totally, you know, overpowering him, and then it goes right into his chest. And so, yeah. like, you know, and Thor gets this epic moment. This is his victory. 
He's he's got Thanos mortally wounded, and he said, I told you, you die for what you did, I'm going to do it now. And so he pushes Stormbreaker further into Thanos, and he's screaming in pain. And Thanos just says to him, you should have gone for the head. And he snaps his finger. Yeah. Poof. It happens. And that's when we get all of the whoa moment. Yeah, yeah. Th- th- this is probably the most... Like, everything's been built up, being built up to this point. And, you know, just how they shot everything in sequence. And we see, you know, half of the characters that we know just get dusted at right. this point. Right, and at this point, you really don't know who's right. going to be dusted, who's not. Right, it's supposed to be random. And it is. Yeah. So we see... Oh, we're not going to go through a list of everybody, but... <laughs> right, but, I mean, the king. Right. Yeah, T'Challa is one of the victims. Bucky, Sam, Groot, Groot, um, not Rocket. Yeah, all, almost all of the Guardians except for Rocket and Nebula. That's true, right? I'm the only two that survived that one. And Strange is gone. And before Strange leaves on Titan, he says to Tony, "This was the only way." So it, it, it's kind of leads you to exactly, yeah. That you know, this was the only future where they could win. And so Tony, he's like, I don't understand any of this. And part of that's because if you tell him what happens, then, you know, you're going to mess the timeline up. Right. Can't do that. Right. And so um, finally, the one that's most uh, impactful is Peter Parker leaving. And Tony just completely destroyed by that. Because, oh, absolutely. You know, you saw the, the father-son dynamic in Homecoming, how he felt responsible for him and everything. Yes. And, and the thing is, it's like part of me, uh, I don't know if... See, for, for me, I thought it was better for Peter to be with Tony at the end of that as opposed to him being back on Earth and being dusted alone. Right. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Like, I think that it was the right decision for Peter to be a stowaway at that point. Absolutely. You know, I think that it was... Plus, he looks at... He has a lot of admiration for Tony. Right. So, that's that. That's pretty much it. We go back to Earth and... and uh, they realize what has happened. And so we get pretty much the original Avengers have survived of the first movie. Everybody else is, you know, all the secondary characters, a lot of them are, are gone. Yeah, there are some that we don't know about. Right, exactly. We don't know what the fate, obviously, from of at this Hawkeye. point. Right, Clint or Scott. Right, we do not know. Not yet. Not at the moment. But anyway, uh, at the very end, you know, you have Steve just sitting on the ground and he says, Oh God. And that's it. And we don't get a fancy credits at all. It's just, you know, white text on a black background. Right. And we because, get, again... Right. Well, actually, you know what? Before that, we actually do get one last scene. We go back to a distant planet where Thanos... Uh, it's like a farmhouse. Oh, that's true. And he's just, you know, looking out at the sunset. And there's this uh, beautiful music played by Alan Silvestri. This, this theme of Thanos that has been playing throughout this movie... And there's this musical tension inside the piece that's been played throughout the movie. And at the very, very end, the chords that are being played, they change to a a suspension chord. And there's this finality musically to it. And you can see it. It's it's just the way way it ends. It's... um, it's fascinating. I mean, the way they do it, it's, it, it's like changes from a minor key to a major key at the very, very end of the of the piece. Right. And you see Thanos smiling over the sunset, like he's 
he, he this is the end of his character arc. He has completed his mission. He has right. well, Gamora as a little baby is there. Yes, and there say, is. Did you do right? Yeah, there is a vision of that as well. Right? Yeah. Did you do what you said you were going to do? Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So there's this. Um, he feels like I did everything he did. I said yeah, I was going to do. He completed his mission, and and it turned out exactly the way I thought it would. Right. Yeah. And so. Then we get roll credits. Right. Then we get the credits of the the white. Yeah. So we get that. that and thing. then the teaser. Right. Yeah. And then there's one post credit sequence where we see exactly what happened at the same time in. I don't. Is it in New York? I don't know. Yes. I, it might be. Yeah. So we get Hill, um, Agent Hill, yes. and Fury. Nick Fury. Which we haven't seen him since end of, end of uh, Winter Soldier. That's true. So he he returns, and. Um, as as he's in the middle of getting dusted, he has this uh, weird looking pager, and we get this strange logo with red and blue and a star. Yes. So that's kind of a hint as to what's happening in the future. Right. We don't, and we might have a disagreement about whether that's the next movie or no. It's, it's not the next movie. Are you so the one where we find out what happened to Scott? It's the next movie. Yeah. Yes, but in, that takes the whole movie to find out what happens yeah it does it does we get a cool uh we'll we'll get to that so anyway this is the end of the film um what'd you think oh my gosh this (laughs) film was absolutely incredible a plethora of things going on Mm. but i do have to say the cg was good on this when i see the russo's name yeah on it i know that it's going to be done well they like to do a lot of live action stuff right and the way they interact the cg with the live action Mm. it's almost flawless i agree you know as far as this film goes yeah i'm gonna say you know rating wise oh yeah it's definitely nine point five for me really oh i'm going for a ten are you yeah this is this is uh, high point this is this is the mcu's empire strikes back like you said and yeah it is the best movie um it has to, to be date no I, I i i i think this will be the best movie in the mcu i really do i don't think it'll, it'll ever get better than this <laughs> all right i'll change it to a 10 all right good all yeah okay. it, we I, I you know it, it's it's you know obviously these ratings are pretty arbitrary anyway to begin with but yes they are um yeah it, it, every, but people do take our our ratings and decide whether they want to watch it or not. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> I'm yeah. I'm thinking too much of myself. I'm so, sorry. but but what I would say is that like the, the, what makes this uh, better than like say Civil War is that like there there actually are some really interesting uh, and that I think that's that is indicative of a Russo brothers film is that like there's not too many philosophical things going on it's like one main thing like when we talked about civil war the main thing was you know do you give up your freedom for security right right where winter soldier was the same way um this one is you know is there any validity to the point where if we are we going to run out of resources is the universe finite is you know, is overpopulation really the threat that it really is? Right. And so... Which is a theme that's been played in sure. hundreds of movies. Right, exactly. So, you know, I, I, that, I, I like that. And I, like I said, the, the interaction with all the characters, the way they were able to weave every single thing together was yeah. perfect. I mean, they really couldn't have done it any better. I mean, it just... And the thing is, is like they were able to get so much in in two and a half hours. Like you would think that, right? I I really thought the movie was longer than right. That. It seems longer, but yeah. it, it, the thing is, is like it's not. 
what I'm saying by that is not that, and this is not a normal time when you said a movie's long, it's too long, but it's, it was, it, it was kept you engaged fun. the entire time. Exactly. Yeah. You did not even think about closing your eyes. No, that's for sure. You know, and, uh, I will share when we get to the next Russo Brothers one, uh-huh. the thoughts that were told to us by your mom and I saw that one in the theater. Uh-huh. And there was another couple okay. that actually sat next to us and told us what we needed to do if we had to okay. step up from the movie. Oh, when to, when to go to the bathroom? When to go to the bathroom yeah, that makes and sense. everything. That makes sense. Which... <laughs> When I saw it on uh, screen, no, you can't get up here. You know, really? Yeah. You know, so it's yeah. like, yeah, it's just the way the Russo brothers do a thing. So, yeah. yeah okay. So 10-10. Yep. Good. Yep. So that's it. Let's um, let's close up there. Uh, and we're going to go see exactly what happened to Scott Lang and the fate of him. So we'll, we'll, we'll take it from there. Sounds all right. Good. Sounds great. All right. Thank you all for joining us for another episode of Pop's Collection. If you have any feedback, uh, email us at popcollectionpodcast at gmail.com. You can uh, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, leave us a review on iTunes, and uh, we'll see you next week with Ant-Man and the Wasp. Goodbye and God bless. Goodbye, God bless, and tell your friends. <laughs>